Welcome to River City Church Podcast. We're glad you're listening. We believe this message will be encouraging and timely. To connect with us, find us on social or at rivercitychurch.co. Today, we're going to be talking about dangerous prayer. I've got, this will be a two-week series, uh, dangerous prayer. Uh, we're going to begin in the book of James, actually. It's where we're going to spend most of our time, and then we're going to look at a story that this passage refers to uh, in First Kings. But before we get there, James chapter 5, uh, talking about prayer, uh, this is, prayer is, is vital in our relationship with God. You know, you may have heard the expression, and I believe it 100%, that, that you know, God's after not a religion, but a relationship. And uh, he's provided us, Jesus, for us to be forgiven of our sins, redeemed, set free, born again, as we talked about last Sunday. Uh, we're redeemed by God, redeemed through the precious blood of Jesus, who offered his life for us on the cross. Uh, he was buried in a tomb. Three days later, he rose from the grave, and he provided us salvation, first to save us from something, that is, Uh, the consequence of our sin, which was separation from God in hell, but also provide us a home in heaven. But but even more than that, he he wants us to know him. In fact, I said this a couple weeks ago, what makes heaven heaven is the presence of God. And and God wants relationship with us. And I don't think that relationship's really possible without communication. Anybody who's been married knows how true that is, that that you've got to communicate. Uh, There's there's the, the, I I don't know who said this, maybe some of you know, but the, the, the illusion or the, the greatest problem in communication is the illusion that has taken place, right? Uh, that sometimes you think you've communicated, but you haven't. Uh, and, and prayer is, at its heart, communication with God. It's, it's, it's three things that I like to say. It's first, a conversation. Prayer is a conversation with God. Uh, it's, it's us sharing our heart to God, of course, asking for what we need, but even more than that, spending time with God, sharing our heart. You can read the Psalms. If you're new in your walk with Jesus, read the Psalms and see how David expressed his heart to God, sometimes even out of his frustration, out of, uh, out of gratitude, whatever he was, uh, whatever was in his heart, he poured it out to God because God uh, wants to, to hear from his kids. He loves you and he loves me and he wants to talk with us. So it's first conversation with God and also as he unfolds and speaks to us through the Holy Spirit, through his word. Uh, he, wants to, he wants to relate to you and I. But also, it's, it's secondly, it's an invitation. It's an invitation to know and encounter God. Prayer is an invitation to a life of, of, of faith, a life of, of experiencing God's miraculous work in his hand upon us and through us. Uh, to see God at work, it's an invitation to see that those things that the world calls impossible bow their knee to the name that's above every name that we sing about today. See, the, the invitation is for all of us to come before the throne room of heaven and know and encounter God for ourselves, that he's the God who moves mountains. He's the God that changes everything. Uh, Thirdly, it's also, it's a, uh, I like to say, a habitation of the presence of God. In other words, as we pray, as we live a lifestyle of prayer, we're literally uh, creating a space in our lives where the presence of God uh, dwells and inhabits. Now, God is everywhere, of course. He's omnipresent. It's one of the attributes of God. David said that. There's nowhere I can go where God isn't. I can't outrun his presence, as Jonah found out. You can't go in 
anywhere where God isn't, but he's not known everywhere, and he's not experienced everywhere. And prayer creates a place in your life, in your family, in our community, in our nation, where, where God's presence ha- inhabits and people's lives are changed. So, so prayer is a conversation, an invitation, and a habitation. James chapter 5, beginning in verse 13, uh, you know, James is, is known as a prayer warrior. Uh, he, he was described in church tradition as uh, they called him camel knees because his knees were so worn and hardened by, by years of prayer, consistent prayer, on his knees, crying out to God, praying for the church, praying for God's people. And here's what it says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs uh, or psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will save the sick. The Lord will raise him up, and if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. Verse 16, confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, this is the key verse for this part of the series, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And then he points to the Old Testament, which we'll look at in a moment. He, he points to Elijah, who's considered in, in, in the Old Testament one of the high watermarks, the pinnacle of, of the Old Testament prophets. And he points to him. You know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, if we've got, when I grew up, my, one of my favorite movies when I was real little was uh, all the Superman movies, uh, old school Superman. And uh, I, I was getting nostalgic this week. I was playing on Spotify. So, Jason, if my, our church Spotify has Superman's theme song, this is why. Uh, I won't sing it for you. I'll spare you today. But uh, the no- <laughs> the notes. Uh, but but here's the thing. Super. You know, I, as a kid, I loved you know superheroes. I love th- this is kind of like the one of the Bible superhero figures. Yeah, this is guy. This is one of the people that the the, the Jewish people looked up to. Moses and Elijah were like the the standard. But James points to them and he describes Elijah who prayed and fire from, fell from heaven. Who prayed and a nation turned from idols to God. Who prayed and the rain stopped for three and a half years. And, and prayed again, and the rain came in a, in a flood. Here's what it says. Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. He wasn't a superhero. He wasn't somebody, you know, sometimes we look at the saints of old, and we see somehow we think that they're like somehow super saints, and, and they have access to something more than you and I do, but that's just not true. You have the same Holy Spirit they had. You have the same God that they had. That, that here's what he says. He's a man with a nature just like you, just like me. But he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it didn't rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. So in this passage that I just read to you, he mentions prayer quite a bit. He starts with this. He describes, you know, there's kind of three aspects to prayer. First, you know, who, who's to pray? He says that, you know, prayer isn't just the job of pastors. Here's what he says. He says, if you're suffering, if you're going through difficulty, going through hardship, the answer is very simple. Pray. <laughs> Depend upon God. So many times we treat God as our last resort instead of our first response. I, I, a number of years ago, I was with a couple friends of mine who are uh, pastors here in the States, but they had previously, they were born overseas in Africa and two different nations in Africa, and they had seen God's miraculous power at work in so many areas. And I, I, just being familiar with missions and being familiar with things that happen overseas, you know, I said, how come so many times I hear more about miracles overseas than I do here? I know that God's the same in both places. Why is it? And both of them had the exact same answer, even though they had very different backgrounds, were born 
in different places, they said the same thing. Because he said, they said, as, as the church here, we treat God as our last response. They said, listen, God was all we had. He was the only one we could depend on many times. Whether it was to eat, whether it was to get, you know, what we needed. Uh, but here's what, he sa- here's, here's what he says here. If you're suffering, pray. If you're cheerful, sing, worship, declare the goodness of God. If you're suffering or you're sick, here's what he says. Call for, for people, elders. That's, that's a, a phrase that's used of, of, of pastors, of leaders in the church. But here's what he describes. He says, call for people. There's people that, that, that have, have grown in their faith that, that can pray over you, that can, that can pray for you. Here he describes specifically the prayer of faith. But I just want to say generally, we all need people praying for us. We all need somebody. You know, I, I like to get around people that, that have have deeper roots in God than I do, people who've who've got a history with God that runs longer than I do, that they can that can pour into me, and and that's why some of my mentors, one of my mentors, just turned ninety two this year. Uh, that these are people who fought the fight, who've run the race, that have been faithful in their in their calling, and and I want those people praying for me too. But then he, he, he describes this horizontal prayer. He says, listen, you've got to also pray for one another. Confess the tres- your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be whole. So, you know, sometimes our biggest issue is we, some of us can't say we've ever been wrong. I'll move on. And, and, and there's a wedge in relationships. There's a wedge even among Christians because we won't do this very thing. We won't admit that we've been wrong in an area and confess our trespasses to one another, reconcile where we need to, make things right so that we can be whole. I think sometimes the biggest obstacle to receiving from God is actually our own unforgiveness, our own offense that we carry. And, and it's not as if God's unwilling to work. It's that we're pushing him away while we're pushing people that he loves away. Confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another. We are all called to pray for one another. That's, that's my job, that's your job, it's all of us. And here's what he says, the effective, fervent prayer. Prayer should be fervent, it should be passionate. Prayer that doesn't move me, how can I expect it to move God? It's fervent prayer, and it says the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Do you know, we, we looked at last week how God through Jesus, as, as the Holy Spirit renews us, we're born again, God makes us right with himself through Jesus. So when he describes a righteous man, and that includes you, all the ladies here too, every righteous man, every righteous woman, you're made right with God through Jesus. And it means that your prayers move the hand of God. Your prayers change things. Your prayers are powerful. And he, he, he highlights Elijah to describe how sometimes we talk ourselves out of faith or we disqualify ourselves because we think, well, Elijah, was, he was this great prophet in the Old Testament. He was this great man. He, he was something special. And, and, and while he is special to God, and all, everybody is special to God, here's what it says. As a believer, you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You have access to the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus. You have the entirety of the Word of God. We have no less than what they had. In fact, we have so much more. And yet many times we don't pray with the same confidence, the same assurance that God answers prayer, that God moves. Elijah was a person just like you and me, but when we've been with God, we can see God work. I I believe the reason for the the church being powerless in the world often has a, a genesis or a beginning in the fact that we are often prayerless. A powerless church is first and foremost a prayerless church. 
And let me, let's make it personal. A powerless Christian is a prayerless Christian. So when I look in my own life and something's not working, you know, I've, I've had, you know, sometimes there'll be an appliance that I'm plugging in and it's designed to work a certain way, but you plug it in an outlet and it doesn't work, you know something's wrong. Something's either wrong with the appliance or something's wrong with the outlet. Uh, and, and so you've got to kind of diagnose what the problem is. And, and I think it's also true that in our life as Christians, when, when God has promised the power of the Holy Spirit to work in us, but we don't see there's a disconnect. Uh, oftentimes, it's because of prayerlessness in our own lives that we, we don't spend time with God. Now, this isn't to say, you know, man, we should be praying more. Why aren't you praying more? That's not the point. The point is God is inviting us to spend time with him, and from that place, God empowers our life like never before. It's so important. Don't, don't, don't get hung up. You know, the, the devil's going to beat you up with a, a, a bat, you know, <laughs> saying, why aren't you like, why aren't you reading the Bible more? Why aren't you praying? Stop letting that keep you from it. So here's what we do. Well, if I can't do some of it, I won't do any of it. Start where you're at and draw near to God. I, I, I guarantee you, the Bible actually says this, draw near to God, he will draw near to you. He will draw near to you. So uh, James 5.16, I want to read from a couple translations. The Amplified says this, The heartfelt, persistent prayer of a righteous man or believer can accomplish much when put into action and made effective by God. It is dynamic and can have tremendous power. The Message Bible, the prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. The NIV, the prayer of a, right, a person living right with God. Oh, I've got the same, my notes are messed up. Anyway, the prayer of a power, listen to this. Your prayers are powerful and there's something to be reckoned with. They're a force to be reckoned with. God wants to use your prayer to affect his will and purpose on the earth. Sometimes we, we don't recognize, you know, Jesus had his disciples come to him in Luke 11, and they said, you know, teach us to pray. They had seen religious people praying, but there wasn't any fruit. Nothing changed. Lives weren't changed. They had the religious exercise, but there was no power in it because it came from a very different place. He describes here in James, he says, it's the prayer of faith that will save the sick. It's the prayer of faith that moves the hand of God. It's the prayer of faith that changes things. Let's look at the story of Elijah, 1 Kings 18. If you have your Bibles, we'll put it on the screen as well. 1 Kings 18, it says this in verse 1, It came to pass after many days the word of the Lord came to Elijah. In the third year, saying, Go and present yourself to Ahab. Ahab is the king of Israel this time. He's ruling from Samaria. He's ruling from the city of Samaria. And he's led with his wife Jezebel, has led Israel away from the worship of the living God to pursue the idol called Baal. Baal's name means master or lord. And, and so they've, he's, they've directed Israel to, uh, to, to follow and worship a counterfeit master. And while we might, might not bow down to an idol or a statue, often we have idols in our lives that are much more subtle. They're anything we substitute for God. There anything we depend upon more than God. There anything that we put at the center instead of God. It's whatever has become a counterfeit thing that we trust in instead of Jesus. And here's where they're at. He, Elijah comes to Ahab and he, he presents himself and here's the word of the Lord. They've had three and a half years of drought, of famine resulting from that drought. See, see, why would, why would Elijah, remember what I, I read, Elijah prayed and there was no rain for three and a half years. Why? Well, Baal was considered the master of the rain. So the Canaanites would worship, whenever they wanted it to rain, they would sacrifice to Baal. 
And God was saying, listen, I can turn the faucet off. It's not Baal that moves things. It's not Baal that changes things. It's, and, and you know what's happening right now in, in a lot of places of the world? The faucet's getting turned off in a lot of places that we've been depending upon instead of God. People are recognizing foundations they thought were reliable are being shaken, but I can tell you there's still a word from the Lord. There's still something that God wants to do. In this, in this story, there was only one person that was publicly serving God, Elijah, and the entire nation had turned away from the Lord, and Elijah is standing alone before King Ahab. But he's got a word from God. Come on, all you need is, you may be the only Christian in your family, you just need a word from God. He, he says, I'm going to send, God tells him, I'm going to send rain on the earth. So Elijah went and presented himself to Ahab, and there was a severe famine in Samaria, because any time we trust in something that cannot supply, cannot provide, cannot fulfill, there's always going to be a famine. But I love this. Elijah, before he prays, and before he even prays for there to be rain, and we'll see what he does in a moment, he starts with a word from God. Do you know prayer becomes effective when we base it upon God's will. Now, in 17 years of ministry, I found that one of the biggest, how do I say this? One of the biggest ways we kind of blanket over things we don't understand or haven't seen happen is we put it under a big, mysterious banner called the will of God. And so when we pray, we don't pray with confidence, because we think the will of God is entirely a mystery. <laughs> okay. It, 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 I, I should have preached on gratitude. If you're like, okay. <laughs> but I think this is important. John the Apostle said this, 1 John five fourteen. Now this is the confidence we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. I love that. He says, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, some of us, there's two ways to read this. One is confidence. God hears my prayer. God answers my prayer. When I'm praying God's will and God's purpose, heaven's going to move. Heaven's going to answer. There's another way to read this. There's confidence this is the confidence we have in them. If we ask anything according to his, oh, I can't know his will. <laughs> it's an unknowable mystery. Well, God, if it's your will, maybe you can reach my family. God, if it's your will, maybe you can heal my body. If it's your will, maybe you can provide here or there. And, and we, but we pray it not from faith because we don't know. Here, listen, listen to me, church. You can know the will of God. God hasn't made it a mystery. There are things we don't know the side of heaven, but can I tell you, there's a whole lot we do because he gave us his word. And if you want to know the will of God, you got to know the word of God. And when you know his word, come on, church, when you know his word, you can know what his will is and you can pray according to his will. This is the confidence we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will. Now, there are times we're praying contrary or, or other than God's will. James actually touches on that. James chapter 4. Let me read this quick. James 4, 2. Uh, he says, you desire or lust and don't have. You murder, covet, cannot obtain. You fight, you war. 
You have, but the reason you don't have is because you don't ask. I wonder how many things we are striving about that we haven't prayed about. So, 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 so you don't have because you don't ask. And he says, some of us ask, but we don't receive the reasons because we ask for the wrong reasons that we may. And it, it, he says that you may spend it on your own pleasures. In other words, he says we're asking for certain things, but it's entirely motivated from our own self-centeredness instead of for other people. For God's purpose, and and this is you know, I I I've, I've you know th- this is a very religious sounding thing you know well well I I just want enough for me and my family and I just want to you know how about God blesses you and your business enough that you can we can feed every kid that's hungry in our county. How about God blesses you enough that we can see a, a dream center built where lives can be restored and transformed? How about we see how about we see God move in our lives in such a way and, and we don't we don't let the, the faith be based on what we haven't seen or what's driven by our own self-interest, but what heaven has called for. So, so, you know, in my own life, I don't, I don't, I, I, I spend less and less time trying to figure out what I want and I want to find out what the king wants. Because guess what? Whatever he calls for, he pays for. Okay. Uh, I, I had a few years ago, um, I was a youth pastor in Florida, and we're praying. We have, uh, at this stage, we, we were at a church. It was a rebuild of a church. Had gone through, I don't know, five splits. It was just, it was a hurting place. Uh, their youth group uh, had had four or five youth pastors in the span of two years. So we showed up. Uh, we became the youth pastors because the youth pastors quit. You didn't hear me. So, so they, the, the guy who was leading at the time, he said, hey, uh, I think you're going to be the youth pastors tonight. So, so that's how we, we had eight kids who had all been traumatized. <laughs> and so that was, that was the start of our youth ministry. We get in there and we just start, you know, ministering the kids, praying. And, and it, was, it was good, but my wife and I can't sing, as I mentioned before, once or twice. And so, so to, to get worship, but we want our kids to be worshipers. So we're, we're playing tracks, and, and, and that was fine. You know, we're playing worship music, but there's only so much that can happen. So one day I'm praying, and I'm, we got this, our, our youth room had like a three-tiered stage. It's a really nice big stage. And so, but I have no one to put on it. Uh, it was literally my wife and I jumping on the stage. I mean, that was like where we were at, but we couldn't sing. Um, so, so I'm in there praying one day, and I just feel the stirring, start praying for a worship team. And the Holy Spirit's highlighting this, and so I start praying for it. Because I, I, I've learned to recognize in prayer, God wants to show you. Sometimes we're praying, and we think we're being distracted. We're praying, God, give me an idea. He gives you an idea, and you go, I'm distracted right now. <laughs> I'm thinking about all these ideas instead of prayer. Maybe, just maybe, God's giving you an idea. Okay, anyway. So so I'm praying. While, while I'm praying, I start just feeling this leadership of the Holy Spirit, just start praying for worship. So I start praying. Sometimes we pray and we start in asking, and then we go, once we know it's God's will, we start declaring. And so I'm declaring over this three-tier worship, or this stage, that we're going to have a full worship team. Within one week, I get a phone call from a young guy who says, I've never led worship before, but I really feel like I'm supposed to come and help you. He's got a brother who plays drums. He's got a friend who plays guitar. <laughs> so, so a few months ago, I'll tell you this quick testimony. A few months ago, I, I kind of let the cat out of the bag Wednesday night. I hadn't announced this yet, but we're going to be getting new chairs, which I'm excited about. I've been waiting because there's like, anybody heard about supply chain issues? 
So it's coming sometime in 2022. We're going to have chairs. That's all I know right now. Um, and, 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 but so we, we, we purchased them like three months ago. But uh, so we had the revival that was here. Some of you were part of that. And I'm, I'm in these chairs. And something about being in a revival and folding chairs is you start realizing the need for new chairs. And I'm praying, God. And, but I, I, I feel the same kind of stirring, leadership of the Holy Spirit. It's time. You know, the Bible says in Zechariah, I think it's in chapter 10, ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. Sometimes we're praying and we're not seeing the answer because it's not the timing. And so I start praying, God, you know, God provide, you know, I'm asking for chairs. <laughs> we, need, we need better church chairs. And so I'm praying for this. These have been fine up till now, but I'm praying for, you know, you're, you're an actual church when you have good church chairs. And so I'm praying, God brings, and, and I'm thinking, okay, God, maybe you're going to do it this way, you know, we're, we'll start fundraising, you know, maybe we'll do it this way, and I'm going through this in my head, and then I get a call from my wife. And, I, and I'll just say this, I, I won't, because I haven't, I haven't gotten permission to tell the whole story, but I have somebody that is probably one of the most in-need people, but God has been doing such a powerful work in their life in this church in the last year and a half. They had a financial miracle happen with the sale of a property, and they said, we want to, God has spoken to us completely to to write a check, and it was almost entirely what we needed for the chairs. The week that we started praying. And we told them, listen, you know, because they think of how God's going to do it. God takes somebody who is in need, who's been touched by the presence of God, and we told this person, we said, listen, every person that's going to get saved Every person's going to be sitting in those seats encountering Jesus. That's a result of you obeying God. That, that, that God did something that you, you, you're, you're a part of. Listen, we, church, I'm just telling you, what can God do with your prayer? What can God do with your prayer? What can God do in your family? Let me give you three simple points today. I'm going to go through these quick. The very first one is this, and it's simple, but it's so important. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. I'm telling you, prayer moves mountains. Prayer sets captives free. I'm here today because a whole lot of people in my family prayed me in. My grandmother just passed away at 86 years old. She was a walking miracle. When I turned 18, they told her she had literally months to live because of stage 4 cancer. They told her she would, we literally had the la, what we thought would be the last Christmas, or Thanksgiving and Christmas with her, but God healed her. She had another 20 plus years. I don't know, I must have gone to the wrong church today because I have a lot of reasons I, to celebrate because my God still heals, still sets free, still changes lives, still answers prayer. Thank you, three of you. She's, she prayed us in. She prayed us in. She prayed for her grandchildren every day. She prayed to see, you know, I, I think this is so important. Let's go to 1 Kings 18, 41. Elijah says to Ahab, he says, go eat and drink, for there is the sound of an abundance of rain. Now, just to set the context for this, when Elijah said it, there wasn't a drop of rain. There hadn't been rain, as I said, for three and a half years. It's totally dry. It's famine. It's drought. There's no rain. And he says, I hear something. 
just like I heard, I was looking at an empty stage, but I heard, heard a worship team. Just, 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 like, just like you're looking at, you're looking at your family that's far from God. You're looking at situations that seem hopeless. You're looking at a diagnosis like my grandmother who had stage four cancer and, and she was told she literally had months to live. You're looking at something that says it's impossible. But Elijah says, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. That's why you gotta spend time with God because he has a whole lot to tell you that the world can't tell you, that the world can't see. And so he says, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah, here's what he does. He goes up to the top of this mountain. He bows down to the ground, and he puts his face between his knees. He starts praying. And he says to his servant, go up now and look towards the sea. So he went up, and he looked, and here's what he says. There is nothing. There is nothing. So Elijah says, go look again. See, see, Elijah is absolutely convinced that God answers prayer, that prayer changes things, that prayer can change the atmosphere, the environment, the climate of the room, that God could change the nation, that God could change the circumstance. So many of us are moved based on what we see and hear instead of what God has said. But here's what he does. He prays. And he, he sends a servant. He says, hey, go look. Go look for rain. Because I just told Ahab there's a sound of an abundance of rain. And I'm expecting that much rain. He prays for it to rain. And he says, hey, go, go, go check it out. And his servant goes and he looks and there's not a cloud in the sky. Um, Elijah, must have, you must have missed it, Elijah. You must not have. Maybe it's not the will of God in this situation. Elijah. <laughs> okay. Elijah says, go look again. I've heard from God. Go look again. Some of us are stuck right there. We've prayed and we haven't seen anything change yet. And so we quit. We look and there's not a cloud in the sky. We're praying for change in our marriage, but nothing's, it's not only not change, it's gotten worse. We're praying for our kids to come home. We're praying for our bodies to be here. We're praying, and we look, and there's not a cloud in the sky. And some of us are quitting before we see the answer. Because we're basing our continued prayer not on what God has said, but on what we see. Do you know the opposite of faith is actually not just unbelief and fear. It's actually sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. If I live only based on what I see, I'm not trusting and believing. Okay. He says, go up and look again. Jason, you and the team want to get ready. Go up and look again. He says, there's nothing. And seven times he said, go again. I just, I'm here to remind some of you, it's time to pray again. It's time to believe God again. It's time to stand again on that promise from God. Some of us are discouraged, and I, 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 I've been there. Number two, pray until something happens. I got an acronym for you. It doesn't happen very often. Push. <laughs> what do you need to do when you see no cloud in the sky? When you've prayed and nothing's happened yet, but you know what God has shown you, you know what God's word says, you know what the Holy Spirit's prompted you with, you know what you've been believing God for, you keep pushing. You pray until something changes. You pray until something happens. Can I just tell you, the person that won't quit is the most dangerous person to darkness. 
the person that won't give up, the person that says, go again, go again. I didn't see it. Nothing's changed yet. Go again. I've been praying for revival in North Iowa. Nothing's happened. Go again. I've been praying for my kids who've been far from God. They're addicted. They're bound. They're this. They're that. This is happening. Pray again. Sometimes we persist in prayer, and it's never, can I just tell you, it's never about God's unwillingness to answer prayer. Sometimes persistence is necessary to transform us. In the process of seeking, the seekers changed. I know there's some things that I prayed about and saw an answer right away, and I'm thankful for that. Showed me God's hand at work, built my faith, encouraged my faith. But can I tell you, the moments where I waited and kept praying and kept going again deepened my trust and deepened my roots in ways that the quick answer never provided me. Sometimes there's a spiritual battle over what you've been praying for. Daniel 10, I'm almost done, Daniel 10. Daniel's praying, he's fasting for three weeks. That's where we get the Daniel fast from. For 21 days, he's praying and fasting for his people, for his nation. And I want you to catch this because this is so important. Daniel chapter 10, verse 12. An angel shows up in response after three weeks of praying. Now, I'm, I'm a little jealous of David, or Daniel, excuse me. I, pr- I fast for three weeks and I just get like hangry. Daniel's done with a three-week fast, and an angel shows up, and the angel tells him something that I want every one of us to hear today. If you get nothing else, catch this. This angel shows up to him, and here's what he says. Don't be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day, can we put that on the screen? Daniel chapter 10, verse 12, it's before point three. Yeah. Then he said to me, do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God. Do you know what prayer does? Prayer says, I don't get it on my own. I can't depend on my own ability, my own resource, my own wisdom, my own strength. God, I need you. He says, the moment you prayed like that, your words were heard. Do you know the moment you prayed, God heard you? He heard your cry, he heard your prayer. He says, he describes, he says, but I, I had a little fight. I got into a wrestling match with the Prince of Persia. No, he's not talking about an old video game or a low budget or bad movie. Anyway, nobody else knows what I'm talking about. All right, the Prince of, the King, <laughs> prince of Persia withstood me. He's not talking about a man. He's talking about a, what the Bible describes as a principality. It's a, it's a demonic force that is resisting the will of God. And he says, behold, Michael, who's one of the angels, came to help me. And so, so he's, he's, he's what's, what's he describing? I, I don't have time to go into all the background, but he says, listen, God heard you the moment you prayed. There was a battle over your prayer. There was a fight in the heavens because your prayer is about more than just you. It's about a nation. And there's war over that prayer. Can I tell you that that child you've been praying for, there's a calling on their life. That, 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 that situation you've been asking God for, that business, that ministry, that thing that God's put in your heart, there's a calling there. Don't be surprised if there's a battle. Go look again for the cloud. Keep fighting. Keep standing. Keep praying. 
Point number three, small cloud, big results. Verse 44, it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud. It's not much, Elijah. It's as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. Elijah says, all right, that's it. Go up, tell Ahab, prepare your chariot before the rain stops you. Well, it's just, it's a small cloud. Why would he say that? Because Elijah knows that when God starts moving, it doesn't matter if it looks small at first. Small cloud, big rainstorm. Small cloud, big results. Don't, don't, don't think God's not doing something because it's starting small. You keep praying because that thing's about to downpour. Would you stand to your feet? Let me pray with you today. We believe this message will be encouraging and timely. To connect with us, find us on social or at rivercitychurch.co.